And we are back. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Dots. Um, wish I could tell you that we have some groundbreaking news to discover that things are all clear now and it all makes sense. This whole, this, <laughs> this, I, I, this is, it, this is like a clown house. What do they call that at the fair? It's not a, is it the fun house where you go through and the clowns are popping out all over? That's what this feels like. You know what I mean? Just, just chaos. Um, now rates surged today on quote unquote, better than expected, uh, retail sales numbers. Again, it's one of those things where you and I, you know, you look underneath the numbers and you got to love financial journalists. Right? <laughs> like you look underneath the numbers, you're like, Oh, well, yeah, I guess there's some things that are a little better, but n- nothing shocking to me. Um, and the, Oh, it's so great. Oh, it's the worst thing ever. Just all of this hyperbole. And, um, that causes rates to surge which hits the NASDAQ hardest out of all the indexes and the Russell rips. <laughs> yeah. Where, where you literally have 30 to 50%, what a 30%, a third to a, a half of the companies on the Russell. If they'd had to refinance at today's rates, they'd be insolvent. But today higher rates are good for them. Yeah. Nice little factor unwind as we've talked about. Yeah. And I don't think, and I think the thing that you've got to get used to it, 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 it encourage it increasingly, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make as investors is looking at moves over the short term, specifically over a day and thinking it says it says anything. Absolutely. Yeah, w- weird things happen on yeah. any given day. Yeah, but but it is amazing to me how often weird things happen in it's this fair. market where you look at the market reaction and then you look at the economic reality and you're like, that's amazing. That's just – that's not true. Right? Like that's – like for instance – Interest rates going up, making multiples expand on stocks that have falling earnings. That is not true in anybody's universe, right? Um, Having said that, you hear some people go, oh, this is evidence of a market being rigged. No, it's not. What what probably it was today, Chase, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was probably one or two big players unwinding some kind of position where they were short the Russell and long the Qs. That's really the only thing that makes sense to me, but it was probably something like that. Or maybe it had to deal with dealer uh, gamma that you were talking about. Like what? What do you? What do you chalk this up to? Yeah, I think the intraday vol is probably dealers being. Yeah, I mean, yesterday they were negative gamma, pretty neutral today, but but close enough to where they have to go chasing underlying every every which way it goes. Um, but the biggest thing the biggest thing for me today that I took away was the reactions to. Uh, retail sales tell me that the market just has no idea which way we're going. Just like they don't think the, I don't think the Fed has any idea which way we're going. So every little data point, well, most data points, that's going to just freak out and go in that direction really hard. Um, and like you said, retail sales totally fine. Like it was, a, it was a nice beat from what was expected this month. But headline retail sales was it went up less than it did last month. Um, and then core retail sales, which I try to focus on. I mean, it, it's on, it's below where it was right before we went to the pan into the pandemic. Like I, it's not that strong. It's not, it's not, it's not doing bad by any stretch. It's fine, but it's, it wasn't great data. Like it doesn't show, you know, really hardcore growth acceleration or anything like that. So, and then, and then even then, like we had NAHB that, uh, home builders sentiment that gap down from 44 to 40, when it was expected to stay at 44, Every single component 
uh, that they measure was down big time to include things like buyer traffic. So housing is just getting way worse after all the bulls said it was bottoming. Um, but nobody cares about that. Only people we only care about retail sales beating the expectations on a month over month basis. And we're just going to extrapolate that and say we're going to have a whole new like a whole other hike, despite the fact that the Fed has pretty much made it clear they want to stop hiking. So just yeah, kind of a weird day. So I, like I was saying earlier, like if jobless claims come in really weak on Thursday, I think it goes the other direction and it goes the other direction too far. Like you could see front end yields down 10, 20 basis points, even though it was one little data print that wasn't that big a deal. No, all that makes sense to me. And I think you're right. I think the market is struggling with it. The, the thing that amazes me is, um, and, and they, look, you always have differing opinions. That's what makes a market a market. Um, the, we, <laughs> I, I think the thing that cracks me up is how so many market participants are willing to grab onto one little piece of information, one little piece of data and extrapolate this story out. We were talking about a guy that you know. There's no point in naming names. But we're talking about the guy that you know, who's all on board the booming economy, and this is a reacceleration to a bull market, and talking about 12% earnings gains next year. And I look at that, and I'm like, look, it, we're talking about the market and economics. So if the last three years have not taught you one thing, that one thing being that anything can happen, I don't think you're paying attention, right? But when you look at people making those kinds of bets, it and, and we've talked about this before on the show, so I don't want to sound like a broken record. But when you see people making those kinds of bets, you, you have to acknowledge they could be right. What I will tell you is if they continue assessing things the way that they are currently assessing them to get to that 12% earnings gain next year, they're going to get smashed. Yeah, the worst thing that can happen, honestly, for everybody is that people that are bullish the economy are right. Because right. That, that just means we all have to actually refi into the new rate. And then and then that just makes them wrong. I mean, I, that's the way I see it anyway. And I, I can see a lot of this economic strength, you know, hanging around for, for months. But every month that it does hang around is is another private equity portfolio company that has to hit up their sugar daddy that goes and gets a, a loan against the firm and things like that. It just, it just deteriorates fundamentals so much more there, it, every month. There's another interesting thing going on. And quite honestly, in, like guys, when you hear us talk about this, I, I can't reemphasize this enough. Okay. I don't care if you listen to this because maybe Chase and I are your contraindicators, meaning you want to fade everything that we say. Cheers to you. Yeah. Cheers to you. Uh, maybe you listen to this because you think we're dead on. Maybe you listen to this because you think we're somewhat Pollyannish and you think we're on the cusp of a market implosion, right? I I'm not going to make any, I think that we do a pretty good job of trying to play it down the middle and try to try to just call it like we see it. Right. Um, that being said, I will continue to believe, and we've seen this before, for whatever reason, Chase, you and I were talking about this at, at pretty good length in your office today. For whatever reason, you'll get the you know, you'll get the people coming out, well, because it's a conspiracy, right? You get a I and I don't buy into any of that. Um and there's probably really good, you know, I this would be another thing to talk to Stephen Mirren about. But one of the things that we have seen, and I remember this a lot from 07, especially the first half of 08, when cycles turn, 
you seem to get really weird things happening in data. And one of the things that you and I were talking about, are there strong pockets in the economy? Yes, that's undeniable, right? Are there very weak pockets in the economy? Absolutely undeniable. When you understand how GDP is calculated, now you're going to see a eye-watering number for Q3, right? We're looking like we're going to come in somewhere between five to five and a half percent GDP growth in Q3, okay? Um, That's a perfect example to me. And honestly, guys, we probably won't know one way or the other for some time. Maybe it could be six months, could be 12 months. But you usually only figure these things back. You know, you only the revisions come later down the road. You figure these things out in hindsight. For whatever reason, data gets predictably volatile and noisy and useless at big cycle turns, right? Chase, you would know more about that than I do. But even you were kind of, you know, pondering it when we were talking about in your office. So if you've gotten more insights to that, I I would love to see it. But one of the common threads that you always seem to see in economic slowdowns and or recessions is negative revisions, right? Them going back and saying, for whatever reason, our data wasn't capturing the negative stuff. Maybe it was because, uh, I, you know, I don't know. We could, we could extrapolate that. But it, here's why I bring it up. I don't think, I, you know, you and I have been pretty consistent on this. I don't think that we're on the edge of some giant catastrophic meltdown right? In terms of the overall economy. Now, I think this is a market where you can't rule anything out. Um, And a big part of that is when you see a market that acts serene when fixed income markets are doing this, that's like saying the house isn't affected by the foundation cracking. It's, It's just ridiculous. Okay. Now, I'm not saying it means markets have to plunge. I'm just saying there are so many dislocations in this market yeah. that that not not even our opinion, but just financial fact, if you've got all this happening over here, this should not be serene. Right. Right? Not saying it should plummet and everything should burn. Just saying these two things don't fit together. It's like Sesame Street. One of these things don't fit. Remember that? Remember yeah. that back in the day? I was a big Sesame Street fan, by the way. Yeah, same. Grew up uh, on it. Yeah, Cookie Oscar, Monster. Oscar's my homeboy. I know my daughter came home with a Cookie Monster Halloween outfit, nice. which was like a throwback. I was a big fan. Anyway, we we can go from we can go <laughs> National Association of Home Builders data to Cookie Monster in about five seconds flat. <laughs> that's called versatility, folks. That's why you tune. That's why you tune in. No, but but what I was saying was, um, you, you see these noisy data, you see these giant disconnects. I don't think you can rule anything out in the stock market. Uh, for instance, when you see fixed income vol swinging like it is, and then you look at equity vol at like 16 or 17 on the VIX. <laughs> and, I, like, and I think that applies globally too, because I mean, at the end of the day, U.S. treasuries are sort of the, the collateral for the whole world. It's it's sort of the reference rate for everybody. Yeah. So whenever it's trading like a cryptocurrency, like that has real impacts on on a lot of real stuff. So for it to not have shown any real stresses anywhere else is 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 it i'll say it's interesting it feels like there's a lot of um unrealized unseen risks that are that we you can just feel like it's out there whenever you have the most important asset in the world going nuts like that there's a lot of unrealized risk that doesn't mean we'll realize it but well we will at some point we will at some point yeah unless you get these things 
the bond market to calm down from not just a rate perspective, but a volatility perspective. Well, and that's what doesn't make sense to that guy that we're, that we're both talking about. He who shall not be named. Um, and not a bad guy. I just, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or when I don't even want to talk about them, even, even say that I disagree with them politely if they're not here. Um, but they, that's one of the issues that you and I have with that bullish story, right? Which is if you see 12% earnings gains on the S and P 500 next year, then you need to start pricing in rates at these levels. If, if earnings are going to pop by 12%, the Fed ain't cutting. The Fed's even acknowledged, started to acknowledge that higher stock prices are a problem for them. They're not cutting. No. Okay, so what happens to all that refinancing of commercial real estate? I, I, I've seen more victory lap tweets out recently. All the commercial real estate stuff is okay. it's not happening. You're like, hey, we, we didn't say it hasn't, was going to happen. Hasn't happened. It doesn't. It, hey, buddy, it's not like these defaults just happen on a Tuesday, right? They're going to happen when they got a refi. And it's exactly. Well, and, and, and if you look at the position that the owners are in, they have an incentive to do nothing until that point of refi. And then to walk away. And then to walk away and hand them the keys back. Hopefully rates drop between now and then. If they don't, they exactly. have the keys back. You just hope you win the lottery between now and then. If you don't, you got a problem. Yeah. Commercial real estate is a perfect example of the turkey the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like literally, he's had the best year of his life, man. He's been getting fed extra, putting in the nice pen, right? They, they're giving him a bath, making sure he's clean. And then all of a sudden, the day before Thanksgiving, things go south and early. Yeah. It's like those great ESPN win probability charts of like a crazy like finish where you go, the, your, your team goes from a no percent chance of winning to a hundred percent chance of winning in yeah. the last play. Yeah, with the dub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just don't, and that's what I don't understand. Except that Pavlovian aspect of what has been true of this entire cycle. Good news was good news, and bad news was good news because bad news meant that the Fed had to keep rates lower and gin up QE even more. Right. And so no matter what, hey, you win either way. Right. When you get into this environment, it literally works the opposite. Right. What are what are the problems in real estate? They're higher interest rates. If your outlook for the economy is good next year, rates aren't coming down. They don't need to. I don't think people understand that. The Fed does not desperately want to get back to a zero percent Fed funds rate. Right. Like everybody acts like they think that's where the Fed wants to be. I think they like having bullets in their gun, you know? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you like to the other thing that you can make a real argument about is that higher interest rates are potentially pretty good or at least at the margins for addressing the wealth gap, right? Savers, well, I mean, the wealthy are going to get more interest, but savers, you know, what if you but if you start if you yeah, if you start taking a sledgehammer to private equity and things like that, then then yeah, well, and, well, and wages can stay reasonable, reasonably high. Well, and you and, and I both keep your job. Well, you and I both know, but private equity is another one. Private equity markets have never been larger. It never been larger as a percentage of the overall market, never been larger as a percentage of the overall economy. And the one area where you are seeing real pain, now it's not tra it's not transmitting to public markets yet at all, but I've got I've got laundering. I've got buddies that run private equity funds. It's hard out there right now. It ain't fun. They are in the private equity industry is in recession. I mean, full, yeah. full I stop. I mean, their, their deal deal flow, deal volumes, their exits is, have all cratered. Yep. Hirings. Their, their portfolio companies are starting to like hit those financing walls that are a big, big problem. Yep. Yep. So, I, I mean, that just is what it is. Um, it, it remains to me. I, it, the other thing I was going to get to was I cannot help but feel. And again, I don't think this is conspiratorial. I don't think there's anything. I just... When you when you collect quote unquote economic data 
from a system that has as many inputs and is as complex as the U.S. economy, right? There are going to be times where for whatever anomalous reasons that have popped up, where that data is going to give you the exact opposite read of what it should be, right? I And look, I'm not a data expert. I don't claim to be. But when I look at the things on the bullish side, which would be the Inflation Reduction Act, as far as being a liquidity provider, um, when I look at government spending. Yeah, fiscal, full employment at the yep. moment, or those are big deals. Yep, wage gains, okay? And I counterbalance that with the fact that housing, which is a smaller percentage of the economy, but it's still a very significant input as far lots as- Lots of jobs, yeah. Lots of jobs. Okay, when I see housing volumes at 50% of their long-term average, when I see what's going on with automobile sales, when I see what's going on in private equity, when I see what's on the horizon, and listen, anybody that's going to try to tell you a bullish story about commercial office space, just don't listen unless yields drop dramatically. If yields were to, if yields were to crash, I, I think that the commercial office space issue would be less malignant. The only right? thing good about that space is if you're if you're getting into it new with cash right now. Yeah, well then there's that's some a bargains. Bull case, but that's yeah. the only bull case. Yeah, there's some bargains. Yeah, absolutely. There. Otherwise, it just like I said, guys, it's not us predicting that this is going to be bad in commercial real estate. Anybody who's running around saying, "Oh, the bulls, the bears are wrong." This is as simple as pulling out a spreadsheet, looking at what their current uh looking what their current cap rate is and then applying the new interest rate and then realizing they're 35% negative cash flow on the property. Yeah, and they probably have uh, problems with, with how many other tenants are sticking around to begin with. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it just it, is it, what it is. Even if you don't, it doesn't pencil out. No, it's just, it's it's not a prediction. It's a mathematic reality. Yeah. Okay, if rates stay here, which they will if you're a bull in the economy, get ready for a, probably, a, my guess would be a record-setting amount of commercial office space defaults over the next two to three years. Yeah, if you've been bullish to the economy, I think, in the last, what call it six months, you know, projecting forward and you, you weren't finding ways to bet against commercial real estate, private equity, small business, like any of those, anything in that, you know, realm, then you're crazy. Cause that yeah. would, that was the best bet for you. Wasn't to go buy uh Microsoft. The best bet for you was to go bet against highly levered stuff. That's tied to the, to the short-term interest rates. Yeah. But well, none of those people like that wasn't the, the play for most of the bulls, you know, it's, yeah. It's to what you know, go buy, uh, chase a mega cap or whatever. Yeah, which I mean, hey, mega cap's fine, but that's probably the best thing you could do other than bet against all that other stuff. For if that's your position, yeah. So I, I continue when I line all these things up, the pluses and the minuses in this economy. This is the thing that I'm really struggling with. When I see a print from the Atlanta Fed at five point four percent Q three growth. And I start looking at these different factors. I just don't see it. I and, and when I say I don't see it, I don't think anybody's lying. I don't think it's like I said. I want to. I want to. I and, and they nailed last quarter. So yeah, they've proven like their nail cast is decent. Yep. But what I'm saying is, when you start applying the impact of the I, IRA, when you start applying, when you start looking at the raw numbers, and then looking at the parts of the economy that are getting beaten up, right? For instance. If GDP was rolling as hard as it is, how do you explain so many different bellwether companies in the economy saying that they are struggling, that they are seeing less consumer demand, right? There is, there is a mismatch here. 
And it's not all companies, don't get me wrong, but I'm talking big bellwether consumer facing companies. Dollar General had to had to go back to their old CEO and fire the current one. Things are going so bad. Yeah. I you know, look at uh, I another funny one we saw today was everybody talked eighty seven percent of companies that are reported have beaten this year. Okay, that's really good, right? Well, earnings are still down. Right. So people are like, well, you got an 87% beat. Well, if the projection is a 30% decline and your only earnings only drop by 25%, that's a big beat. That's a 20% beat, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I just, that, and Chase, you and I were talking about this early. When I just start looking at the raw numbers, okay, which I am not an economist, I do not understand how to their hedonic adjustments and all the different things that go into the calculation of GDP. Okay. So I, I could be dead wrong here, but if I just start looking at dead numbers, the impacts of these good things versus what's hitting us at the same time, I would buy very low growth. I would buy, if you told me the economy was still growing somewhere between one to 2%, I would buy that 5.4. I just don't see it. I, I don't, I don't see it in the numbers. I, to me, it feels like there's got to be some anomalous type right. stuff in and this these goes, numbers. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to the gap between GDP and GDI, the income versus production being kind of like just a generational blowout in that spread that makes no sense. And some of that's gotten revised closer, but still like that, it, it perfectly illustrates what you're saying where you get these weird, like a data set that's like, well, what, some something here is wrong, you know. Do, do and and I look. I am very unfamiliar with how GDP, the the me- mechanics of how GDP is calculated. Do you think banks being able to slide so many of these treasures treasuries into HT into their HTML it does that not impact? No, it, it shouldn't impact GDP because GDP is transactional based, right? Yeah, it's 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 measuring production versus right. It doesn't tell you anything about the value of assets. I'm just trying to think of and I'll I'll just tell you guys the reason I'm asking these questions is because we're looking at the numbers and you're just sitting there going, where what am I what am I missing here? I don't see where that growth is coming from. The only thing you could have legit like five percent GDP growth that wasn't just like a one quarter like wow that was a great quarter would be from a pro- productivity boom, which I th- I do think it's increasing, but. I mean, you can deconstruct the number to see like how they're saying it's being being made, um, and they're not saying it is a you know productivity boom. They're yeah. saying like a lot of people bought a lot of stuff in the third quarter, and the government and the government spent a lot of money and built a lot of stuff. That's that's really what GDP is telling us. Yeah, and I just and if I and if and here's another problem that I've got again. If retail sales is so good, why why, why isn't it showing up in the earnings? And yeah, why why is the XRT ETF why has that gone from seventy four to sixty one this year? Right. There's so so again. I'm not sitting here, and neither I know you're not either. We're not sitting here saying the bottom is about ready to open up. What we're saying is that the numbers that are being reported and the reality on the ground are are at odds, right? And the other thing I can't do. The other thing is I can't really. I'm not seeing anything on the other side that I can point to where I'm like, well, maybe it's that. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, one of my first instincts is like, well, obviously, like manufacturing has been kind of bad, but services maybe like it's just so much services, you know, consumption. But then now, like you start looking, just today, the New York Fed's um, services business activity index came out, um, and it was a bloodbath. It went it went to negative nineteen. Um, the words they were using in it was significant decline. All their forward looking stuff completely fell off the map. So like. So, well, obviously service isn't doing that great. 
So it, it's hard to find. Now, to be fair for services, it had been ripping, right? I mean, yeah, but even then, like it showed some weakness, then it reaccelerated, and now it's starting to like show some more weakness again, at least in some of the regional surveys and like ISM and stuff, which is, hey, that's all soft data. So people that criticize soft data, fair enough, but. Yeah, I just, and we've gone, yeah, we've gone way over this time. I, I just, I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of the data. All I know is that the market is absolutely pricing in that 12% earnings. Well, at least the mag seven is, I mean, we, we still, we still have to remember that there is weakness in the rest of yeah. the index. Basically everything that's not a mega cap tech company is, is going sideways at best this year. Okay. You know what? That's a great point to bring up. Because if you look at the data the way that we're looking at it, and I think that you and I are both pretty good at looking at it, didn't used to be, but I've gotten pretty good at looking at it with, with a pretty non-jaundiced eye, right? A pretty, pretty fair look at it because you do this job long enough and you, and you. It's really, the only way to win. It's the only way to win. You got to leave, you got to leave your bias at the door as hard as it can be at times. That makes sense to me. Right. A market trading sideways, to be fair to the market. The average stock by far and away is going sideways on the market, right? It's the seven that are the anomaly. Even equal weighted NASDAQ is having a rough year. The killer is, is there are sectors in the market that are doing well financially this year. And it ain't the stocks that are driving the market returns. Exactly. I mean, they're not doing horribly, right? but they're performing in a way where you would expect more of a flat performance from them. You certainly wouldn't expect multiple expansion in rising rate environment. The other thing you got to start looking at is if rates don't come down, guys, it may not matter in the short term right now. And I think it really doesn't because everybody in the market expects the Fed to cut drastically over at some point over the next 14 to 16 months, which is another confusing thing. Cause I'm like, if you're so bullish, the economy, why are you projecting Fed rate cuts? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's only the people that think they'll do it just to keep real rates roughly flat. But I don't think, I just don't think that's how the Fed works. Well, not only that, but I think that they've proven that they're more concerned about inflation. And I think that they're going to be, you know, we've said this a million times. I just don't see anything. Again, when you look at the levels of things are at, I think the Fed is sitting there and it's hard for me to actually disagree with them. As I don't like to ever say that, um, <laughs> but it's hard for me to disagree with them to where I think the big catastrophe is to the to the other side. Right. Which is they, they've got plenty of padding in the economy right now if they over tighten. Um, yeah. A ton. Yeah, inflation is the greater risk at this point, and I think it remains that way, right? I, I mean, think I think that's how they see it. Yeah, yeah, that's how they see it. I, you and I so will think they a perfect a perfect anecdote for this. And I know we're running long, but um, <laughs> there were two emergency conference calls for the Fed in January of '08 because everything was melting down like violently. So they had a, they had a meeting on the 30th, and they had a, a, an emergency meeting on the 9th and the 21st. And then and the one in the 21st, they wanted to slash rates like 75 basis points, like at least. And multiple of the uh, people on the committee were like, uh, I don't want to, and I'm still worried about inflation. So they could just, the second emergency conference call of the month when things are melting down and you still have multiple people at the FOMC being like, yeah, but inflation's really scaring me. That, that's all you need to know about how they view inflation. That was... And that was with like two, three percent inflation back then. Not, not you know, we didn't they didn't pop to nine like we just did. Yeah. Well, the other thing the Fed is not going to do is I, I, and I don't believe they're this stupid. I really don't. There's people out there that do. I don't. Um, I think the Fed is fully aware 
that deflation is not their biggest risk over the next five to 10 years. Just when you look at the debts built up, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't, it, so in my opinion, they also have developed quite the toolbox for dealing with deflation. Yeah, right? pretty, we've, they're pretty good at that. <laughs> they're pretty good at that. They've proven that they're pretty good at that. So if I'm sitting there as a Fed head, what they've also proven is that they're much better at dealing with deflation than they are inflation. Yeah. Right. Especially when they have Congress's air quotes help. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I would just say if you hear once again, certainty is the hallmark of the charlatan guys. The only person you shouldn't be listening to in this environment is somebody that tells you they know exactly how it's going to play out. Everything is probabilistic. Yep. Everything is probabilistic. I think this is a perfect example of that. Um, and I guess that's if you if you hear a general overall bearish tone from us, yeah. I, I, why? I mean, you've got the world drowning in more debt than it ever has in human history, and you're fighting inflation and jacking rates historically high. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not a very complex thesis, right? But um, and it amazes me how many people. Which which happens at the end of long bull markets, right? People are like, oh, interest rates don't matter as much as you think. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. I don't know if anything matters more, quite, on, quite honestly. No, I mean, of course. I mean, that's, yeah, like I said, believing that it doesn't matter is believing that, you're, that, that your foundation can fail in the house. There will be no ramifications. Bottom line. So anyway, all right, guys, that's it for today. We went way over today. That was unintended, but um, just fascinating stuff in the data. And I just wanted you guys all to understand, you know, um, do not believe the, oh, it's good news. There's my gut and my experience and just looking at these numbers and crunching the math. I, I just feel like we're going to look back in the not too distant future and go, oh, that's why we were getting abnormally hot reads. Oh, that's why it got revised backward. I just... I'm not guaranteeing it at all. I, I don't pretend to. I just, when I'm looking at the reality on the ground, when I'm looking at earnings, when I'm talking to business owners, when I'm getting looks into Fortune 500 companies via being on the board of the private company that we own a chunk of, um, there's just a big mismatch. Everything I'm looking at does not say 5% GDP growth. And yet that's the number they're still reporting. Um, you know, in fact, I would love to see, have there ever been numbers have there ever been time – have there ever been times and when were they where you were looking at, you know, and certainly not just in the beginning, but like mid to late cycle type environments where you were looking at 5 to 5.5% 5 GDP prints with earnings down? I don't think it's ever happened, right? Not sure. It'd be very interesting to look at. Maybe we can dig into it before tomorrow's dots and see if we can see any examples of that but I'm not promising anything as listeners, but yeah, it just, the, there's a lot of things that just aren't fitting together right now. So anyway, all right, that's it for today. Hope you guys enjoyed that. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast and we would respectfully ask you to do that because more subscribers, better guests. And uh, until tomorrow, you're listening to the know your risk radio podcast, download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management. 
Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.